<laughs> it's Halloween week. Hope you have your spooks and charms ready. Instead of a trick, I'm going to give y'all a treat. Why don't you sit down and get settled in to listen to a spooky tale? It was late Halloween night in 1957, and Peter and Betty Fabiano and teenage stepdaughter Judy Solomon had gone to bed after passing out candy to the trick-or-treaters and visiting with Judy's brother, Richard Solomon, who had left to return to his naval base in San Diego, California. Shortly after 11 p.m., the doorbell rings. Even though it was Halloween, it was also a school night, so no one was expecting any more trick-or-treaters. Peter makes his way to the door, annoyed at the late trick-or-treater. Upon opening the door, Peter Fabiano says his last words. It's a little late for this, isn't it? A deceptively deep voice answers, no, and raises a paper bag that conceals a gun and shoots Peter. The strangely dressed trick-or-treater runs off. Upon hearing the shot, Betty runs to the door and finds Peter in a pool of blood. Judy runs down to the home of a neighbor who is a police officer. Help arrives in minutes, but sadly, Peter is pronounced dead from the gunshot wound in his chest at Sun Valley Hospital. The only witness to the crime was a teenager who saw a car speed away from the neighborhood, and there were no shells left at the scene, and nothing had been taken. Peter's shooting had the characteristics of a gang or mafia-style hit, but Peter was pretty clean. He had had a bookmaking charge back in 1948, but had no connections to organized crime, so that idea was quickly tossed aside. Peter and Betty met in 1940, when Betty was a divorced single mom of two. They fell in love and got married in New York, only moving to L.A. the year before Peter's murder. Betty describes her account of that night as she thought two people were at the door, two men, but as if one was pretending to be a woman. Betty is asked if Peter has any enemies, and she simply responds with one name, Joan Rebel. Joan Rebel was born in Philadelphia, PA in 1917 and had a career as a writer and photographer sailing around the Americas. After her divorce, she finds herself at one of Peter's salons looking for work. Joan and Betty quickly become besties, and Joan is welcomed into the Fabiano family. At one point, Peter and Betty begin to have some marital issues, and Betty and her kids move in with Joan. Peter becomes jealous of their closeness, and at one point describes their relationship as abnormal, which, in the 1950s, is of course code for, in this case, lesbians. Oh no! Not those dreaded lesbians. I mean, like, come on, that whole code word thing's stupid anyway. Like, love who you're going to love if you ain't hurting kids, animals, or anybody else. You know, who cares? Um, so, yeah. Peter and Betty, they end up working things out. And she tells them about her affair with Joan. So, Peter's like, yeah, if we're going to make this work for real, you can't see her anymore. Betty agrees, and Joan is super pissed. Joan was obsessed with Betty, so the fact that she can't see her BFF slash lover sends her spiraling into that special type of rage reserved for a woman who's been scorned. Now we're going to go ahead and run our ads, and I'll be right back. Hey, y'all, so if I get a stupid haircut, I will throw a hissy fit 
So I went and saw Miss Allison Crawford and let me tell y'all something. I walked out of the salon and I started crying because my hair looked so beautiful and I felt beautiful and I will never, ever, ever go to another stylist again. So if you want to look and feel beautiful too, uh, hit her up at 909-289-9685 or follow her on Instagram at all lowercase Allison A L. L Y S O N underscore Crawford C R A W F O R D underscore hair H A I R and y'all tip her well she deserves it she's just freaking awesome y'all our crochet spotlight artist is Stephanie Picorni she is the freaking crochet queen of Halloween and let me tell y'all Googler her costumes are amazing her kids look badass every single year like I am in awe of her work um so y'all should follow her at facebook.com slash crochetverse Ravelry.com slash stores slash crochetverse, crochetverse.com, at crochetverse on Instagram, etsy.com slash shop slash crochetverse, and seriously, she's amazing. Y'all Google her and, or go on any of these and look at her kids' costumes. They're the freaking coolest. Shortly after all of this, Joan meets a shy and unassuming lab technician, Goldie and Pizer, who quickly falls for Joan. The two become very close, and Joan starts to tell Goldine about Betty and spins this tale about how they should save her friend Betty, who is being horribly abused by Peter, who even abuses his stepkids. Okay, firstly, there's no pr proof of abuse, but Joan sucks Goldine in with this story, and the two women make a plan to save Betty and kill Peter. Joan gives Goldine the money to get a thirty-eight caliber handgun and two bullets. Joan convinces Goldine to pull the trigger and decides Halloween night is the best night to go through with it, since no one is going to be suspicious of someone walking around at nighttime in a disguise. Joan puts together their costumes, jeans, khaki jackets, hats, red gloves, face paint, and domino masks. Like, I'm not sure what kind of look they were going for, but, you know, whatever. Just, yeah, weird. But anyway, so at around 9 p.m., Joan borrows her neighbor's car and she and Goldine head to the Fabiano's neighborhood. The park down the street so that they weren't spotted, but they could still see the house. They wait about two hours until the lights are out, and Goldine goes up to the house and has the exchange with Peter and shoots him. She runs back to the car, and they take off. So, on to the investigation. There are no show casings, no real evidence, and police are at a complete loss until they receive an anonymous call to check out a rented locker at an L.A. branch of Bullock Department Store, which leads them to Goldine's door. Goldine is arrested at her Hollywood home, where she promptly admits to everything. Joan is arrested, but keeps her mouth shut. Goldine is ultimately a, a, just a gal that is 
super easily influenced, and all she wanted to do was please Joan. At first, both ladies plead not guilty, and they change their pleas. Goldine pleads insanity due to being under Joan's spell. Joan refuses to comment the entire time, and sits there with a strange smirk on her face during the entirety of the trial. Eventually, both are charged with second-degree murder and were sentenced to five years to life. Both only serve the five years. The crime is often cited as an example of women being treated softly in the courtroom. No one knows if Betty was involved in the planning of Peter's murder, although that there are rumors that there, you know, that she was, but no one knows for sure. All we know is the women all ended up living well into their 80s, and that, my friends, is the tale of the trick-or-treat killers. Hope all of you have a hauntingly good evening.